Blog Talk Radio. We declare our rank on this earth to be a man, to be a human being, to be respected as a human being, to be given the rank of a human being in this society, on this earth, in this day, which we intend to bring into existence by any means necessary. Jason Strata, man, he told me, man, it's a sin. Just as much as a sin as killing a person and stealing and everything else, it's a sin for me not to be doing what I'm doing. If I chose to take the easy way out knowing that I had to give Everybody can rap, but only a few get in these positions, you know, where they can really speak, you know, to a generation of people and, you know, have them follow most important thing in business is honesty, integrity, hard work, family, never forgetting where we came from. And you are what you are in this world. That's either one or two things. Either you're somebody, or you're nobody. What's up, everybody? What's up? Another wonderful Saturday afternoon. Welcome. Thank you for listening and tuning in to another episode of The Collective. Uh, my name is Martin Soares. I am your humble host, your humble host, um, here with The Collective for another Saturday, another great episode, another uh, wonderful day to tackle some topics in sports music. Um, again, my name is Martin Soares. I'm your host. I'm joined by my spirited co-hosts, Lawrence and Jason Reels, and Mr. Tommy Hill. We're we're at full strength today. We were without Tommy last week. He's he thinks he's the Allen Iverson of our panel, um, but we've we've got him this week. So we're we're at full strength today. Um, as always, we want to shout out our sponsors, our platform, Blog Talk Radio, and of course our wonderful network, the Keys 107, opening the doors to endless possibilities. Um, We've got a full stack of topics today. We've got a full show um, of discussion ready to go today. We're going to talk some NBA free agency. Um, the Dwight Mayor concluded as of last night. We'll get to that here in a minute. Um, we'll talk about which teams in the NBA have thus improved since the free agency period has begun um, on July 1st. We'll talk some music later on, our weekly What We Hear segment, as always. Uh, we'll talk a little bit about Jay-Z's album, get our initial impressions to 
Magna Carta Holy Grail. We'll talk some Wiz Khalifa, some Joey Badass. So we've uh, we've got a, a full show ready to go today, uh, gentlemen. Are we are we good to go? Let's do it. We ready? We ready? So let's let's get right into it. Um, the NBA free agency. Um, many moves have been made already. Um, obviously. Um, contracts and deals can't become official until July 10th, um, but the free agency period has, has opened up. Discussions have begun since um, July 1st. Since then, we've seen um, a plethora of moves go down. Um, teams are already changing. We talked about the Brooklyn Nets big-time blockbuster trade last week. Um, we've talked about the potential of different things that have been talked about over the last couple weeks, and we started to see some things come to light. Um, obviously, Doc Rivers is the new head coach in Los Angeles for the Clippers. Um, the Clippers involved in some big-time trades this week, sending Eric Bledsoe and Karan Butler to Phoenix for J.J. Redick and Jared Dudley. Um, the Bucks, the Milwaukee Bucks, get two second-round draft picks out of that tr- three-team trade. Um, the Knicks have acquired Andre Bargnani from, uh, from the Toronto Raptors. They sent Steve Novak and Marcus Canby there for him. Um, Andre Iguodala went to Golden State yesterday. Tyreek Evans to the Pelicans. O.J. Mayo to the Bucks. Um, so, again, a lot of moves. And then a, a big coaching change, obviously. We hear about Butler's head coach, Brad Stevens, getting hired by the Boston Celtics yesterday. Um, so a lot of moves going down, um, up and down the scale. Um, major moves, minor moves. Obviously, the big-time headline is Dwight Howard going to the, deciding to leave my Los Angeles Lakers for the Houston Rockets um, as a free agent. He'll pair up with James Harden and Kevin McHale in Houston. Um, so, I mean, let's let's get right, let's start right at the top with Dwight Howard. I mean, he certainly is the headline of this whole free agency period. Um, I, I, I'll, you know, I'll let you guys go first because I, I don't want to, I don't want to start off on a, on too much of a heinous note because again these are my and Jason's Los Angeles Lakers that we're talking about here. So it's going to get personal in a minute. I I can I can I can guarantee that and I'm going to forewarn our listeners now because again these are my Lakers we're talking about. But Tommy, uh give me your reaction to the Dwight Mayor. What do you think about his decision to go, to join Houston? Uh, we talked about this yesterday, Martin, and um you know, we can we can talk about Dwight Howard the person and you know, backing down from from the the, the legacy of, of a Lakers big man and continuing on that legacy. But um I I have to blame Lakers management for this entire thing going down because you, you hire a guy in Mike D'Antoni who who was the wrong guy for the job from jump. Okay, and then you bring Dwight Howard into the mix, and you know th- there's chemistry issues. There's uh, there's bantering back and forth between him and Kobe. You're not sure what's going on. Uh, my whole issue, and I've, I've said this on previous shows, has always been Mike D'Antoni, and he should have been the guy to go first and foremost. And I guarantee you that was the sole reason why he uh, why Dwight Howard left for Houston, and you know, with him going to Houston, like I said, we can we can talk about Dwight Howard's character and all that, but that the Houston Rockets are going to be a dangerous team for years to come. Now, um, we we can you know we can hate on Dwight Howard, we can say whatever we want about this this trade, 
But, you know, the team that they have now with Chandler Parsons, uh, James Harden, uh, Jeremy Lin, you don't know if they're going to keep him. Um, you know, there's, there's rumors about bringing Josh Smith into, uh, Josh Smith into that mix as well. The, the Houston Rockets, you know, I, I feel like he made the right decision, guys. I mean, I mean, I know you guys are probably going to hate that, but with, with everything that's been going down with the Lakers, I, I feel that he he made the right decision. I mean, you guys, you guys chime in, but this is your. Team. I mean, I feel. I mean, here's I, what. I mean, Tommy. Here's what. Here's what. I feel like, and I and I I look at this from a very specific standpoint. But here's what most Laker fans that you know you said you know. People question his character. You know, they they hate on him. I told you from the beginning, my reaction was going to be upset whether he stayed or left because I would have been mad that we had to go through this entire process of begging him to stay, and then after all that, he just ends up staying and that it would have felt pointless. And if he left, I'd be mad too because, you know, he's he's essentially running away from, you know, just one bad season, one struggling season, playing under one coach who may not necessarily fit his style. Gentlemen, those are called obstacles. We go through that in life. And and I saw him leaving as, you know, I felt like I'd be mad if he left because I would see that as kind of just bailing and just taking kind of the high road, the easy way out. Tommy, I, from a Laker fan standpoint, I agree with you. From a basketball standpoint, I think Houston was the best option for him. Obviously, the – the two things, and, and Tommy, you don't have to be hopeful for this. It was reported the reason why Dwight Howard was even considering leaving was because of Mike D'Antoni. When he got there, he asked for Phil Jackson. That was that was what who that was who he wanted, and they turned him down. And so, you know, Dwight was looking for Phil to kind of cement his legacy as he did with Shaquille O'Neal, the Laker teams of the past, obviously, and they chose to go a different route. Um, and that was a big part of his decision. And then, you know, you throw on the, the money aspect. Um, obviously, the Lakers could have paid him more than he than they could have in Houston. But, again, that speaks to his recognition of, in terms of a basketball standpoint, listen, you're going to a team that has James Harden, who is literally one of the more lethal pick-and-roll players in the game today. You're talking about a, 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 in the, from the guard standpoint, he is he in terms of the scoring and assisting playmaking standpoint, he's one of the more lethal pick and roll backcourt players in the NBA. He's one of the top five scorers in the NBA. So Dwight Howard pairing with him, like you said, Tommy, it's a dangerous combination. Um, my my immediate issue, obviously, coming from a Laker fan standpoint, is is where we have to rebuild from. And Tommy, where I think a lot of Laker fans who, who you know, who kind of resent Dwight Howard, I, I think the people who talk bad about him right now are deep down just mad that he left. Because listen, Kobe said it many times, and I've kind of just reiterated it to people I've talked to this past week. Dwight Howards do not grow on trees. Recovering, I mean, say whatever you want about Dwight Howard. There aren't many Dwight Howards in the NBA. And compensating for what you lose for him is going to be a long process here for the Lakers. And, um, you know, I'll I'll let, you know, Jay and Lawrence speak on it also. But, you know, I I fear the worst for my Lakers. I really do. Because, again, compensating for that loss is going to take um, nothing short of a miracle. I mean, the Lakers might need another miracle here if they're going to talk about getting Kobe Bryant another championship. And I I literally fear the worst for my Lakers. 
Lawrence, what are your thoughts on Dwight and, uh, you know, kind of segue us into some other teams, what you think some other teams have done well in terms of improving in this free agency period? Well, when it comes to to Dwight himself, um, I think if we're, if we're going to talk about what it does for your Lakers, Martin, I'm, I'm going to say it's a good move. I mean, I think it's a good thing for your Lakers. I mean, like you said, it, it kind of either no matter which way it goes, it was going to be rough because, I mean, to compensate for losing a player like Dwight Howard, who they put a loud out on the table for, I mean, it, it, it's not going to be an easy road. But at the same time, though he did perform at times last season, and I put emphasis on at times because at times he was absolutely terrible. But at times he did he was he did seem to be the Dwight Howard of old and have pretty good numbers. He just wasn't a good fit for the Lakers. It didn't seem like him and Kobe were going to be able to click. And I mean, if, if you're going to play in L.A., you have to be able to click with Kobe. I mean, it's almost like it's almost like your second coach. It's like not getting along with your second coach. You're not going to be able to perform well. And and that was one thing that the Lakers kind of lacked with with Dwight Howard. It, it seemed like they never really the, – the Lakers as a team before Dwight Howard weren't all the way sold on Dwight Howard, and it seemed like Dwight Howard wasn't all the way sold on the Lakers. So I think it was a good move. I'm excited to see what happens in Houston next year. I mean, I think they they have to attempt to, to tame the Dwight Howard beast as well, but we're in a team with a bunch of younger guys, I think he has that reign to kind of, you know – take over and, 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 and be one of their guys, obviously, with James Harden. So, that, so that'll be interesting. Uh, um, before we get to Jay real fast uh, on his thoughts on the Lakers, uh, Martin asked about um, other free agency moves. And one thing that I, uh, that really stuck out to me this past week, well, I'll start with this. With, with Dwight Howard going to Houston, if Houston is still able to free, free up the cap space and be able to afford the contract for, for Josh Smith, we're really looking at a scary Houston team that was already in the playoffs this year with, with Jeremy Lin and, and Omer James Harden. I mean, that's definitely going to be something to look out for. So if if Houston's able to actually pick up Josh Smith and, and Josh Smith and, and Dwight are able to play successfully within a system or with a score like James Harden, we got troubles down in Houston. But um, one other move that I didn't necessarily like, and I hoped – for the best, because I mean, it's it's not necessarily my favorite team. I'm, I'm not I, I'm not I don't necessarily have um, any sort of alliance with any NBA team. I kind of kind of a free agent myself in, in that right, where I kind of just bounce around and I just watch these guys. But one of my favorite teams in the league, I would have to say, are the Knicks. And I was hoping to see some improvement from the Knicks. And I was honestly hoping to see them part ways with J.R. Smith, be able to to, you know, kind of find a guy to replace and fill in his slot. I mean, Shumpert is really starting to step up, and he's only getting better. And I, I think that they could have certainly found a way to get rid of J.R. Smith, not have his big contract on, and bring in some other guys that are really going to be productive and, and kind of not cause off-court distractions and, and kind of be as hot and cold as J.R. Smith is realistically. We know that J.R. Smith can score in bunches. He scores in bunches with the best of them. No, we we understand that, but it's his inconsistency that's been an issue, and and him not showing up in times where he needs to show up has really become an issue. And I mean, if they're going to be able to, you know, give Melo the reins and 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 have him be able to 
you know, take all the shots down the stretch. We can't have J. They can't have J.R. Smith doing stupid things with the ball in important game time situations. And and he's shown that he's done that time and time again. He's he's a head case. I'm I'm gonna be honest. He's a head case. And I think that they could have definitely parted ways with him, freed up a little bit of money, and made some other moves elsewhere. So I was I was a little bit disappointed in hearing that the Knicks uh, re-signed J.R. Smith, but um. Yeah, those are those are the most intriguing things of free agency for me so far. So Lawrence, what do you think about the Barnyani move for for the Knicks? What do you think about that? I do like Barnyani. I think I think Barnyani certainly offers something that they don't have, and and he's going to be able to complement Tyson Chandler because they'll they'll be able to play inside out, and and I, I really do think Barnyani is a is a good addition. But at the same time. I would like to see a different. I would like to see a different backcourt in New York. Not even necessarily a different backcourt. Just J.R. Smith not in the backcourt. <laughs> and I mean, I've, I've made sound like a J.R. hater, and and I apologize. I do think J.R. Smith is a phenomenal basketball player. I mean, I like I said, the guy scores in bunches with the best of them. But I just think for what the Knicks are going for, they need a little more solidarity. They need a little bit more someone they can really depend on outside of Melo, and, and, and like I said, J.R. Smith can be that guy, but the inconsistency just is, is hindering him from actually being able to full-on take that role. So I, I would have liked to see someone different, but Barnyani will be good for the Knicks. I think he certainly offers a, a, a new angle that, that they haven't necessarily explored, a big that can really play on the perimeter, you know, shoot the three ball, knock down 17-footers on a consistent basis, really stretch defenses. Paul, but I, I I think it'll I think it'll be cool to see how that ends working out. Definitely, um, Jr. Stay in for us, Nick Holman. This this Dwight thing, man, it kills me for for a few reasons. One is the main thing for me is he left thirty million dollars on the table. Playing LA, to to leave LA, I should say, thirty million dollars, and and I mean, I guess money isn't everything to him, which is which is a good thing, but I just think it's stupid to leave that type of situation. And I hear what he's saying. I hear the thing. You know, he he knows Nash is getting old. He knows Kobe is getting old, and he doesn't want to play sidekick to Kobe. Okay. You're gonna play sidekick to James Harden in Houston, so so that argument kind of goes out the window. And and the one thing that I do understand on his part is is his system, and that his being Mike and Tony's system, it doesn't work with Dwight. And I understand that. And I think not hiring Phil is. It just it just had a domino effect on the Lakers, and and I don't want to blame anything on Mike D'Antoni, but it is his system that drove Dwight away essentially because he's not getting any touches. He knows in Phil Jackson's system, the triangle offense, the big man gets the ball a lot. There's there's always post up looks in the triangle, like consistently. There's somebody in the post, and they want to get the ball inside. And that's why, you know, Powell and Andrew Bynum were, were fairly effective um, for for a couple of years in Phil's system because they were getting touches. And, and and that's what I think it really all came down to 
I think Houston now becomes possibly the second best team in the West. I would I would put them in the top three now because this is what you have. You have Dwight in a Orlando Magic like system where they shoot a lot of threes, they spread the floor, but now you put him with James Harden, who is the two guard that he's never had the opportunity to play with in Orlando until he got to LA when he played with Kobe. But this is this is a younger, faster, more athletic you know, scoring guard that is one of the top five scorers in the league, in my opinion. And and he, like Martin said, it makes complete sense. He he runs the screen role so well. What do you do with a Dwight Howard, James Harden screen and roll? I don't know what you do. You can't you can't jump James you can't jump James Harden. You can't don't you can't bring a hard double team and try to get the ball out of the team. Because Dwight is one of the best, you know, catch and finish guys in the league, and Harden dimes. He can make that pass. So you can't guard that. You can't use that way. If you, if you, you're not going to get over the screen. You're right. not. You're definitely not going to go under the screen. Right. And you're not going to be able to hedge and get back before James Harden turns the corner. So now the one play that NBA teams run the most, just isolation screen and rolls. Now they have the best screen and roll combination probably in the league. And then they also have shooters like Chandler Parsons and other people out there to spread the floor. So now it's wide open for Dwight Howard and James Harden to operate. And that's that's, that's very scary. There's no teams in the league that can guard that. Don't let them add Josh Smith. So, and, and if they add Josh Smith, now you have two rim protectors as well. So – Defensively, they get way better. So I mean, everyone's getting better besides the Lakers, Martin. Yeah, everyone's getting uh, better yeah. right now besides the Lakers. Bad truth. And it, it, and it only took one major move for that to happen, but that thing happened. So now, so now the Lakers are looking with a roster that's probably only six or seven guys right now because we dropped they dropped so many people and and free agency. And Cubcheck is talking about building for the future. Well, the future is essentially gone now with Dwight Howard leaving town. So it, 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 it's, it's been interesting. It's been a very exciting free agency period. My personally, personally, my favorite move is Iggy to the Warriors. Um, that made my day, uh, Martin. I might be I might be cheering for another team California next season. Um, <laughs> no, 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 I'm sorry. I'm sorry. But Uh, it looks like we lost Jason and Lawrence. Um, Can I just say something? Yeah, it looks like we lost. Yeah, what's up, Tommy? 
I mean, I feel sorry for y'all Laker fans, but I'm not trying to hear nothing about y'all jumping ship because I'm sitting here as a Sixer fan, and we we started damn near from scratch now, and I, I'm still on board with them, so I'm not trying to hear nothing about y'all jumping ship. <laughs> I think Jay, I think Jay is kind of I think Jay's just looking for kind of just you know at this because at this point you know it's like you Tommy I mean listen you you pose as a Miami Heat fan so you know I think Jay is looking for a team to pose to pose as a fan of as as you do with Miami so so I'm let's be fair here um, <laughs> yeah but that's what I mean ride the wave of posing as a fan for another team. I think we all need that when our teams struggle. Uh, so I think before we lost Jay, he was uh, talking about the Iguodala move. Um, and, again, like, I'm looking at the Western Conference, and it's so it's so demeaning as a Laker fan because literally, as Jay said, and as we talked about in this last day, every team is getting better except the Lakers. I mean, I'm going down the list from this year's Western Conference uh, playoffs Team, uh, uh, scope and I mean uh, Denver is the only other team besides us who I mean the fact that they lost Iguodala I think definitely hurts them in terms of personnel but I mean you go down the list Oklahoma City they're getting Westbrook back they'll be back I mean they lost Kevin Martin but I mean that's not really a big deal I mean they're getting Westbrook back that's what really matters what, Oklahoma City San Antonio right there at the top again Denver you know they get hurt by losing Iggy you got the Clippers in Memphis the Clippers, who I feel like we need to talk about because they make the move for J.J. Redick and Jared Dudley, and they've got Doc Rivers now. So their whole culture has changed. They have improved. Uh, Memphis, they'll be back next year. You know, same gritty Memphis. Golden State, they've got Iguodala now. They were the sixth seed, so, you know, they're probably moving up. And then you've got Houston, which who was the eighth seed this year, who will undoubtedly, in my opinion, move up in the ranks with Dwight Howard there, uh, as we've talked about with James Harden. So essentially <laughs> – You've got these teams, Tommy, in the Western Conference kind of surrounding the Lakers and, and making their necessary improvements while, while you know, the Lakers kind of sit back and they seem to be the victim here of the Western Conference. I mean, even the Pelicans, for God's sake. I mean, they've, they've got themselves Tyreek. They've got, I mean, Minnesota with Kevin Martin now, pair him up with Ricky Rubio, and they've got themselves a draft pick in, in Shabazz Muhammad, uh, you know, so they've, you know, they're kind of, building building blocks now and they've got Kelvin Kevin Love coming back um but even the Pelicans man I mean the, the, the Pelicans I mean in terms of their personnel they've probably got a more complete personnel than we do right now they've got Tyreek Evans now with Eric Gordon and Drew Holiday Anthony Davis I mean they're competing now so the, the Western Conference scope is looking real sketchy right now and as a Laker fan I'm just highly discouraged um Let's bring in one of our callers. Actually, um, I, I think we have Brandon Robinson on the line. On the line, um, you're live right now, Brandon. If you're with us, fellas, what's going on? What's up, Scoop man? How you doing? Man, just staying busy. How you been? We're doing well, man. It's good to good to have you on the show, man. You want to weigh in for us on some of the stuff we've been talking about? Yeah, I mean, for somebody who's covered the NBA this season, um, I think that. Um, I'm most impressed with uh, Golden State's um, move. I think that it, it solidifies what they were really missing last year. They, they missed the slasher um, because, you know, as you know, you, you're a strong three-point shooter in, in college, Martin, but you know there's times where your three is not on. And you not you personally, right. just saying in general, when somebody's three yeah, never is not me. on, you never miss, me. You, 
<laughs> you live by the three, you, you die by the three, you know. So, you know, the fact that they were able to kind of um, key in and, 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 and shed some salary um, space and, um, and, and you know, making the move, the salary dump to Utah and, 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 and sending um, Beardrins, who was dead weight, and sending Richard Jefferson's contract uh, over to Utah, which was a salary dump, um, you know, they were able to kind of uh, – Org and, and 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 get what they needed. Iguodala will definitely, with with playoff experience, will will, will be an asset to um, the Golden State Warriors and kind of mentor the, the younger guys. You know, Clay Thompson is a good shooter, and I think he has the potential to be a you know a, 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 an even better player, being a second generation um, NBA guy as well as um, Stephen Curry. But I, I'm really impressed, and with a healthy Andrew Bogut and and a, and a healthy David Lee, and you know their 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 starting five is is is, is looking um impressive um and. You know that 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 early playoff experience that they had last year, even even though they lost to, to San Antonio, I, I think that'll definitely um that'll definitely benefit them in the long run. And also, you know, I, I kind of disagree. Um, I think it was Lawrence or Jason who was talking about um, J.R. Smith. Um, the funny thing about that contract that he signed, it was a two-year, twenty-four million dollar contract. Is actually that contract was was structured similarly to how um, the Nets last summer structured Chris Humphrey's contract. It was a movable contract. Um, okay. And and as, okay. and as attractive two teams um, looking to shed salary cap space, so whether J.R. Smith performs well or not, either way the Knicks are going to benefit. If he plays well, it's a you know it's a win-win for both of them. If he doesn't, they're going to ship him. Milwaukee was was, was heavily interested in uh, in J.R. Smith um, in the offseason, right. which is why they they ended up coming to terms um, in principle with with uh, O.J. Mayo. O.J. Mayo. Um, yeah. But. But 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 there are teams that are still interested in J.R. Smith's services. He enjoys being um, a local guy, being from you know Central New Jersey and playing for the Knicks and commuting from home. Um, and I just think he lost he lost himself a little bit come playoff time. Um, but the things that he was doing in the playoffs were the same things he was doing in the regular season. It's just more highlighted when your your team your your games are, are are national games and everybody's paying attention to what's going on in the playoffs. So. I think it was a smart move for the Knicks. I, I like the Bargnani move, but you're still masking what 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 you lack in the post with Amari Stoudemire. Um, he, he spreads right. the floor, but defensively you're you're still giving up some things. Um, but I, I think that him getting a fresh start in New York, I think will will, will be will be um, maybe something good for him. A change of scenery. Uh, I would have yeah. to. I agree. I agree with with Brandon. I think the Knicks J.R. Smith move was perfect for them. You can't you can't underestimate bench scoring in the NBA. And, and every team in the league, realistically, you can you can say what you want about J.R. Smith and his ups and downs, but every team in the league needs a bench score. You know, I I think with the Brooklyn Nets move, honestly, come playoff time, KG and Pierce are, are great. But watch what Jason Terry does, and watch and and nobody talks about that. But look what he adds to the to the Brooklyn off the bench. J.R. Smith, Mister Insta Buckets. You can't you can't overlook that. And 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 I think Brandon makes a great great point with the, with his contract structure, and and I think that makes the move even better for the Knicks. You can't. He loves playing in New York, and he loves being in New York. And when you have a guy like that. You want him somewhere where he wants to be because then he will focus on basketball. Mm-hmm. And, and and I believe that him being at home, because that's home for him. Us North Jersey kids, New York is pretty much home for us. 
that's yeah, it gets no better than that for him. So you have him somewhere where he wants to be. Now he knows that he has to perform, and he's playing in the Garden, and he's playing for the New York Knicks, and that comes with another responsibility, having that type of jersey. So for J.R. Smith, this is best-case scenario for him. It's best-case scenario for the Knicks. And and I think Goodson has done a great job with J.R. Smith. And mm-hmm. I think I think that's going to extend J.R. Smith's career, him being under Mike Woodson for for another two years, because he's a guy that can get to him and tell, and, and tell him what he needs to chill out and, and, and help him focus. So for, for J.R. Smith and for the Knicks, I, I think this move makes sense. I, I think I think they become a lot worse of a team if they let him go because of, you know, a, a little bit of Consistencies here and there, and, and maybe some off the court stuff that hopefully will down at you. So I, I agree, Brandon. I think I think it's a great, great lead for them. And, and I think J.R. Smith, like like Dwight Howard, what what they needed was number one, a strong black male role model figure that happens to be a coach, yeah. also played the game, and who's going to hold them accountable. You know, no disrespect to Mike D'Antoni, no disrespect to. Um, uh, George Carl, who coached uh, Jr. In, in, in Denver, but George Carl can be an enabler at times. I think the only other coach that held somebody like Dwight Howard accountable was Stan Van Gundy, and you saw what happened. So you know it's interesting because now Dwight Howard's in a situation in Houston um, where he has Kevin, Kevin McHale, who's, play, who's played the game um, and who actually made Kevin Garnett better back when he was a GM and coach in Minnesota. Yeah. Um, and I think you know he's had that experience holding players accountable. Um, and it's not going to take no foolishness. I mean, you know, Martin, you've played, the, you've played the college game, and I know that I'm sure you respect the voice or the opinion of a coach who played the game and, and speaks your language than someone who maybe just, and I'm not criticizing him, but somebody like a Lawrence Frank who went to college and studied under, the, under Bob Knight in Indiana um, yeah. who didn't play the game. You know, you would respect somebody who's been there, done that, bought the, you know, has the ticket and the keychain to prove he went there, you know. So I, I, I think um, there's something about Mike Woodson that inspires Jr. to play well, and the fact that he gives him such a short leash, I think, benefits him. I don't think George Carl knew how to how to handle him, and I think just like you know the parallel with with Dwight Dwight Howard, I don't think D'Antoni truly knew how to deal with with, with Dwight. You know, so I, I think there are some parallels in both those signings. They sure. both have coaches yeah, that I, keep them I, accountable. I yeah, yeah, I think that's that's certainly kind of a, the the common denominator there for Jr. and Dwight. Very similar situations, like you said, Brandon. I think that's that's really important. Uh, before you go, Brandon, I do want to get your thoughts on the Sixers. We've got a a, a big Philly guy, a Sixers fan, Tommy Hill, one of our co-hosts. Um, you're, I know, you know, you you're a Philly guy. You spent plenty of time in Philly. I think you've covered them. Um, if I'm not mistaken, a little bit. So uh, what are your thoughts mm-hmm. on kind of how they reshape things in terms of, you know, the rebuilding process? Um, you know, they usually say if it ain't broke, don't fix it. But in this case, it had been cracked for years, um, kind of like the Liberty <laughs> Bell. I think uh, <laughs> you like that, don't you? There's a situation where I think um, Drew Holiday is a, is a primetime ball player. And I think that a lot of times, in Philadelphia, the Stars don't get their just due. And I think that sometimes when they go elsewhere, they get their just due. But at the same time, I kind of feel like you 
what did they say? The definition of insanity is doing the same thing and ex- expecting different results. How do you go yeah. from giving Dwight Howard in a trade last year to now trading to get New Orleans Noel that has a knee injury as well? That was the first thing that came to mind when I when I when I saw that um, trade. Um, mm-hmm. I'm not. I think New Orleans Noel will be all right, but it just to me, what would possess you? You know, there is talk that that the Sixers are saying all the right things um, concerning Andrew Bynum. I, I was reading today that the, the Mavericks are actually interested in um, Andrew Bynum now that um, they missed the Dwight Howard sweepstakes. Um, I kind of feel like going young is the new wave in the NBA, and 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 hiring cheap labor, so to speak, and coaches, inexpensive, cheap labor. You know, you, you see you see that with that trend kind of starting where um, uh, Folsha was signed, became the head coach of Miami Heat. Low risk, low risk, high reward situation. He got two championships. Yeah. And you got these guys now that are into big into this analytics stuff. I was talking to. Uh, uh, former NBA player Olden Polonese last week, and you know he's big on 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 analytics, but he doesn't understand how analytics makes up for um, championships. But the Sixers right. are going young, um, and video and stats is, is is everybody's driven by that now. So I think that where the Sixers are going, the Sixers like the Celtics, where the Celtics hired Brad Stevens, and they're going to go young. You know that's the way right now. The Cavaliers did that. And look at how they're, they're maturing and blossoming every year. The way to win a championship is through the draft and you add key cogs in that through free agency. You know, the Cavaliers are, are, are poised, for example, you know, they, they drafted Anthony Bennett. They're going to sign one of the most underrated uh, players in the NBA, Earl Clark. Um, and you know, they have, and I think that the Sixers are going to go that same route, as are the Celtics. Whether Rajon Rondo stays with the Celtics, that's completely up to him and, and Danny. I think it would be smart for the Sixers to stop forcing it and just just um, just wolf it out for a couple of years. You know, it's unfortunate that Bynum, I mean, excuse me, it's unfortunate that um, uh, Holiday wasn't there, but I think he'll do well with, with Tyree Evans in, in New Orleans. And, you know, it'll be interesting to see what happens. Okay, well, we appreciate your input, man. Uh, it's always a pleasure to hear you, to have you on the show. We definitely appreciate you calling in, Brandon. Yes, sir. Thanks for having me, man. All right, so, um, you know, continuing our NBA talk, uh, obviously that was a pleasure to have uh, our good friend Brandon Robinson, Scoop B, call in with us and, and give us his, his professional input on some of the things going on in the NBA. Um and and Tommy, um, you know, we didn't get a chance to really kind of go into the Clippers, you know, the other end of Los Angeles really at length with their moves, um, trading Eric Bledsoe and Karan Butler to the Phoenix Suns in exchange for J.J. Redick and Jared Dudley and the three-team trade with Milwaukee, who will receive uh, two second-round uh, picks from the three-team trade. Uh, Tommy, what were your impressions from that move for, for the Clippers? That's a very very intriguing move because um, you give up an explosive backup point guard in Eric Bledsoe for guys who can spread the floor and and really complement what Chris Paul does on the floor. So, you know, you like me, I was an Eric Bledsoe fan and I didn't want to see him go, but you know, you see you see what their 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 mindset is and their the direction going forward with um 
especially with Doc Rivers at the at the head of the at the head of the horse, so to speak. But um, you know, they're they're going to be executing well. They're going to be spreading the floor, and you know, we're going to see a different Clippers squad than we've been seeing for the past three years. It's still going to be lob city here and there, but it's going to be a lot more structure, a lot more ball movement, a lot more spacing. So you know, the Clippers are the dangerous man. They're they're going to be right there. They're going to be at the you know the top three seeds in the West. And like you said, you know, it's it, it it's kind of crazy to to say how they've taken over the L.A. You know, it, it, it's. We've never seen anything like this. It's always been the Lakers and Clippers have been the the younger brother, but I mean they're ready. They're ready to to step up now, and this is their time. They they, they got the head coach they wanted. They they're getting the right pieces to really make a push for for a deep run in the playoffs. Yeah, two words that you said about this trade um, uh, really stick out in my head: structure and spacing. And this move for them is all about Doc Rivers, Tommy. It's all about Doc Rivers because, I mean, go back to just in the last five, six years in Boston with Rajon Rondo as his point guard, a facilitator much like, you know, Chris Paul. You had Ray Allen, the best three-point shooter in, in history. You had Paul Pierce. You had Kevin Garnett. And you put them in the kind of system that – the kind of sets, the kind of half-court sets we saw them run were, were – I mean, not only were they perfectly executed, but they were, they were specifically drawn up to get excellent looks out of pick-and-roll situations, out of screen-to-screener situations. Doc Rivers is the mastermind when it comes to offensive half-court sets. This trade, Tommy, is all about Doc Rivers because you've got J.J. Redick and Jared Dudley in a system with Chris Paul – Blake Griffin, DeAndre Jordan, I mean, uh, you still got the pick-and-roll nucleus. Obviously, the NBA is is 97% pick-and-roll basketball. But as it pertains to the Clippers, their their, their half-court sets were primarily based out of the pick-and-roll. And And I I don't think Doc is going to change that. And I think he just enhanced his personnel for that pick-and-roll sequence because it's, like you said, structure and spacing. You're going to be spaced – J.J. Redick and Jared Dudley, two completely capable – jump shooters, highly capable three-point jump shooters, guys that are going to space the floor, guys that can even put it on the floor a little bit and, you know, make things happen for themselves, but primarily catch-and-shoot guys. So you've got them in the corners on the wing spacing the floor for Chris Paul, Blake Griffin working their two-man game. Um, The help situations are going to be tough. And um, something that Brandon just said uh, when we had him on really resonated in terms of, you know, what and the kind of the new wave for the NBA, going young, going fast. Um, I think I would add to that list in that three-point shooting, having, having you know, kind of that going some of the small ball that Miami has kind of, you know, formatted and templated, um, being able to go small, being able to go four guards, guys that can all spread the floor and shoot threes. And I think – you know, being able to shoot the three has become now a, a really a big part, I think. It's something that teams are kind of looking for. You need outside shooting um, because it's kind of a la Miami, the template, championship template. I mean, it's a mimic league. You want to you do what the champions are doing. And right now the champions are going small. They're spreading the floor, and, and you know, they're kicking out to shooters. So I think the Clippers have a much better template for that for that situation now. I mean, you've got – 
you've got much better outside shooting now that you did than you did before. You still got Jamal Crawford, who is you know your favorite player, Tommy. He's he's still he's Jamal Crawford. He's still going to do Jamal Crawford things. He's a playmaker. He's a scorer. But now you don't have to rely on that as much because you can create with guys like Redick and Dudley. And you know whether they're coming off the bench or not, you've got guys like that that can spread the floor for them. So. Tommy, like you said, it, it's not even officially with the Dwight Howard move. I mean, it, it it was I mean it was pretty official after you know this past season. But the Clippers have literally eclipsed in terms of personnel, in terms of just talent. The Clippers have officially eclipsed the Los Angeles Lakers, and there's there's really no argument otherwise. Um, uh, so again, you know, the Western Conference definitely kind of rounding out there, Tommy. Um, and in, you know, in the East, uh, you know, things kind of shaping up. I, I I am interested to see. I did see yesterday that the Indiana Pacers picked up Chris Copeland um, from the New York Knicks, which is okay, kind of a confusing. Yeah, which is kind of confusing to me, Tommy, because it's like, you know, why would the Knicks, you know, the Knicks lost to the Pacers in the Eastern Conference semifinals in six games, and when you lose to a team and they call you and say, hey, we want that guy, I don't see why you would want to give him to them. Because clearly they feel like that's someone that they would need to improve their stock. And, I mean, really, Indiana's in better shape than New York is, I mean, tactfully. I mean, they beat them, like I said, this past year in the playoffs. So, um, interesting thing. I didn't get your take on the Bargnani uh, move for New York either, Tommy. you think that helped them? Um, I mean, what Brandon was saying was, was right on the money. It, I mean, the Knicks... The Knicks are a team that can light you up on any given night. The problem with the Knicks is defense and rebounding, and Bargnani doesn't help either of those things. So it, it, it kind of it's kind of a frustrating topic to talk about because I I became a closet fan of the New York Knicks last season, and I saw them unravel in front of my eyes as we all did in the playoffs, and it's. It comes down to to them getting stops and them getting rebounds, and you know that it doesn't help them out in those areas. They're, they're gonna they're gonna score more points on on you know on some nights. They're gonna they're gonna score 130, 120 points on some nights and look very very impressive. But it's all about defense for me, and they 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 still need to make some moves. They're, they're I almost want to say that they've taken a step backwards, especially with the move that Brooklyn made, and, and um, you know, it's the Pacers are still going to be there. Miami's still going to be there. So it's they finished that as a second seed last season. So, you know, I, I they still they still got to do some more moves. As with going back to the Clippers, I still feel like they need to make some moves as well unless because they they still have problems in the front court. You know, they've, they've been dominated in the playoffs, in the paint, uh, the past two seasons by the Memphis Grizzlies. They won the the series the year before, the year prior, but, you know, Blake Griffin still has to mature and DeAndre uh, Jordan has to step his game as well. So those are those are areas that I feel like both Knicks and the Clippers need to, to address. I, I I agree with you with the Knicks. I, I, I mean, with Bargnani, you're getting more offense. He's a seven-footer that can step out and shoot the three. Um, so you've got another offensive option, but I, I couldn't agree with you more. The offense was never necessarily the case. Um, you know, uh, I think their immediate 
um, issue is, is on the defensive end and in the front court. Like Brandon said uh, when we had him on with Amari Stoudemire, I mean, he's the big question mark for the New York Knicks. Um, when he plays, they're not good. When he doesn't play, they're amazing. So it's like, you know, it's kind of that conundrum that they have to solve with him and figure out what their front court situation is. Um, someone like Bargnani helps them offensively but really does nothing for you defensively. And I agree that that's their immediate issue. I, I, I think when it comes to the Clippers, I, I agree. I think they might need maybe one more move. But I still think even now with Redick and Dudley in there, they're in better shape, even than they have been in the last couple of years. Because, Tommy, I, I always say it to you, I, hate the, I hated the fact that they relied on, it was either, you know, it, it, they relied on essentially Chris Paul being the man, I mean, scoring, you know, either, either scoring for himself, getting Blake dunks, or, and then, you know, when, that, when all else fails, give it to Jamal Crawford and play one-on-one basketball. And I think with Redick and Dudley, you have better glue guys than you had before. And I, I, still, I, I agree, I think they may need one more maybe solid front court piece in there. But I think the, the, the load for Blake Griffin and DeAndre Jordan is, is lifted with guys like Redick and Dudley because Chris Paul coming off those pick and rolls, he's got options that he can go to on the wings that can let those shots fly. And DeAndre and Blake, can you know, they can just focus on crashing the boards as opposed to looking for them to compensate offensively, you know, looking for them to score a whole bunch of points. I, I think that a lot of pressure is relieved with, Adding Reddick and Dudley in there because you've got you've got more offensive options than you did before. I I I, I just I think their makeup is uh is much better in that regard. I I don't know. I I do like what they got. I think they may need one more move, and they've got Doc Rivers. I mean, Doc Rivers really counts for a coach, a player, a manager, a, a trainer. I mean, <laughs> Doc brings so much to the table. Um, and I, I mean, I, I, I really like what they what they did with that move. I do. Um, maybe one more solid piece, um, uh, I think. But again, I, looking at both conferences, I mean, you're really seeing things round out. And Jay started uh, talking about it earlier, um, what he thought about Houston before he got cut off. And I mean, it's scary to think about the bottom half teams. Like I laid it out earlier with the West, those bottom half teams. You've got. The, I mean, the Clippers were the four seed, but you've got Memphis, Golden State, Houston, and the Lakers. Houston and Golden State are bound to move up in the ranks. And I, I, I really – I do see Houston. I, I would have to agree with Jay. I'm thinking top four in the West. Uh, that's where I'm setting the bar for them with Dwight Howard. Um, and you're looking at Golden State. They're probably moving up top five. I think Denver drops without Iguodala. I think – if Memphis doesn't come back just as strong and physically battle-ready as they did this year, they drop as a result of, you know, your Golden States and your Houstons and, and teams really improving. I did want to briefly mention the Cleveland Cavaliers, and, and Brandon mentioned it when we had them on. The, the Cleveland, and it goes right back to my Lakers again, I mean, they stole our best blue guy from this year. And I told it to Jason yesterday. I felt like Earl Clark really emerged into one of the best glue guys in the NBA this year. And by glue guy, I mean somebody who is going to give you production on both ends of the floor. With his 6'9 frame, he's able to defend guards and bigs on the defensive end. On the offensive end, uh, I mean, I've played against him. In fact, I'm pretty sure uh, myself, Tommy, I think you, I think Jason, I'm pretty sure Jay played against him too at some point in high school. But he was a point guard. He was a 6'7", 6'8", point guard handling the ball. And, 
even when I see him play now, you still see those ball handling still, skills still manifest in his game. Um, he's more of a forward now, obviously, but but what he does for the Cleveland Cavaliers, I think, will be invaluable. And looking at how they're rounding out their, their roster with the young Anthony Bennett, with Kyrie, with Deion Waiters, now with Earl Clark, um, man, they're going to be competing for a playoff spot in the Eastern Conference this year. Um, I, I I think that's probably a given at this point. Uh, Lawrence, Jay, would you would you guys agree? I totally agree. I love Cleveland. I really do. I, I like the way they've done things. Um, I obviously really, really like that they took Anthony Bennett first in the draft. And if you think about how young they are, but how uber talented they are, I mean, they have, they have Tyler Zeller, Tristan Thompson, Anthony Bennett. Um, if I'm not mistaken, isn't Henderson Verjow still there? I believe they still have Andy, yeah. Yeah, and he was hurt all last year, all right. last season. Um, so you have some veterans in that group, and then obviously Kyrie's the best young player in the league, period. And you have Deion Waiters, who's going into his second year. They they have very, very good young pieces. And then you throw in Earl Clark, and I think in Cleveland, I think you should have the three-spot locked down. And, and Earl Clark gives you a little bit of everything. He plays defense. He can hit the three. He rebounds at six nine, and and and, and he and he doesn't. The offense doesn't stop when he gets the ball. He moves the ball well. He he plays his role well. And, and Martin, that's a perfect way to describe him. At this point, is he is a terrific blue guy, a guy that you want to have on your team because he can give you so much in so many different areas. Um, Cleveland got better with that with that in, in their draft pick. Cleveland's a scary team in the East. I, I, I'm 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 gonna go out and say Cleveland is going to the playoffs, yes. But I think they can get in at a six seed or maybe a fifth seed in the East this year. That's how that's how good I think they can be right away. And and you know, if Kyrie Irving continues to progress the way he has at this pace, who knows where we're gonna see the end next year. So it's it, it's it's really going to be interesting to see, you know, and, and, they, and they have Mike Brown. Say what you want about Mike Brown. He wasn't the guy for the Laker job, but he was successful in Cleveland, you know, with LeBron, yeah, of course, but he was successful in Cleveland. So he could, he might be able to get Cleveland back to where they, where they would like to be at this young point um, in, in, in a lot of these guys' careers. And they're all doing this under the salary cap, and this new collective bargaining agreement is really force behind these moves that we're seeing um, right now. But I think Cleveland with these young players, that's why everybody's going young because their first contracts aren't aren't expensive. You know, they they're they're setting themselves up for future success very very well. Yeah, well said, well said. Um, so, again, NBA teams doing a lot of improving thus far in this free agency period. Uh, we're seeing teams from both conferences really round out, um, and it's, it's making up for a very exciting 2013-2014 NBA season. Um, so, gentlemen, if there aren't any final thoughts on NBA free agency or anything else, uh, we'll, go to, we'll go to our first commercial. 
Martin, I just wanted to say something real quick. Remember how Mark Cuban said the the, the whole amnesty thing about Kobe Bryant? That, yeah. that might not be such a bad idea right now. <laughs> <laughs> Go ahead, make your case, Tommy. Make your case. What's up? Make your case. I mean, Go ahead. With the Lakers going down like they are right now, with everything going down, <laughs> Kobe gets amnesty and gets picked up by a team like San Antonio. I I feel like that's not a bad look for him right now. I mean, he doesn't he doesn't owe them any more loyalty than he's given them, and, and they haven't given him much in return in the past couple of years. He's not going anywhere. Uh, Kobe Bryant will die a Laker, Tommy. He will die a Laker. <laughs> Son, don't ever he say will die that. in that Laker uniform. <laughs> you know, don't Tommy stop that man. Stop. Let him come to Philly. Tommy, you play with our emotions, man. You know what you're doing, so you know what you're doing, yo. You throw a you throw a jab at me and Molly right now, so you can't say that. <laughs> Let him face him. Tommy secretly wants Kobe in Philly. Yeah. Yeah, man. Tommy's starting a Tommy starting a Kobe to Philly campaign. <laughs> Um, but hey, guys, I, I know we've all I, I know we've all he- heard kind of the you know the lurking rumor you know 2014 free agency is is going to be um, possibly another blockbuster because in light of the whole Dwight Laker drama stuff, you know they're saying the Lakers are you know with the money that they have now without Dwight Howard next summer they're going mm-hmm. after a Carmelo mm-hmm. Anthony a LeBron James. Um, mm-hmm. It, it could be an interesting future for the Lakers. And as I iterated before, I do fear the worst for Kobe, Tommy, and, and my Lakers. I, I fear I fear a Lakers season next year of of 30 to, 30 to 50 field goal attempts by Kobe, just exerting every last bit of energy he has from his 17-year career. And just, I mean, if they, if they even make the playoffs, losing in the first round. And like I said before, that outcome will only be negated by a miracle. We we may we need one last miracle if we're going to see Kobe go out on a high note because right now um, it looks like we are slowly moving into another dark age era. Um, and when I say dark age, I mean the Smokes Parker Chris Mim era, and we all we all know what that looked like. Um, so, um, gentlemen, final uh, final thoughts. Any last final thoughts before we go to commercial? You know, LeBron, L.A. Lakers, 2014, baby. He's coming to L.A. He's leaving Miami to, to come to L.A. because that's the only place in, in the country that can compare to Miami. So he's coming to L.A. in 2014. He's going to get two more rings, be respectful to the God, and then he's going to get another four. And uh, he's going to be a wrap. So, yeah. No. LeBron James, 2014. Yeah, Tommy, you got the conspiracy theory. <laughs> so do we. So do we. We got wild theories, too, so. <laughs> You're here first. You're here first. We're going to collect. We're going to commercial. We'll be right back. The collective. Rafika Consultants and Services LLC is on the cutting edge of emerging technologies for designing online classes and providing face-to-face and virtual technology training or help with computer programs, web design, and graphic arts. We also provide biography writing services for websites. For more information, give us a call at 631-399-0149. That's 631-399-0149. The Fluffs present the alphabet. Now found in paperback. Sporting a five-star rating. 
Fashions and gifts that bring out the best in you. Moon 107 is an online retail store featuring women's and men's clothing at the gift shop. The woman's shop features stylish tunics, suits, and accessories and offers the well-dressed woman an outlet to find the perfect gift for self or for someone else. The men's shop offers classy French cuffed shirts for the well-dressed man. The gift shop offers organic skin, hair, bath accessories, and inspirational music imported from Africa, India, and Asia, as well as jewelry and accessories. Moon 107, fashions and gifts that bring out the best in you. Don't forget to visit moon107.com. what we hear bumper you know what time it is it's that part of our show where we uh do our music segment uh first and foremost our weekly segment of what we hear which is loosely based on our music blog what we hear.blogspot.com where we feature and review music um this segment is for our co-hosts to come together and talk about what we've been listening to what we've been hearing what's on our music playlist this week um as always we encourage any Listeners or callers to uh, call in at 213-943-3618 and share with us what you've been listening to. Uh, We've got a caller on right now, which we're going to bring in in a minute and uh, get his take on what he's been listening to and um, let him weigh in on our discussion topics. Uh, Tommy Hill, I'll start with you for today. Uh, Bless us with your your playlist this week. What have you been hearing? Still, I'm just a rider. I'm just a simple man. All I want is money. But I'm yeah. saying I'm a simple man. Oh. Yeah. I, I will. I've been on that gifted wave, man. I mean, I'm really proud of uh, the project that my man Wale put together. And, um, you know, Simple Man is a song I'll, I'll point out from the album. I've, I've really taken a liking to that song. Um, it really embodies uh, a lot of things that I'm about. You know, he's a... Uh, Never flashy, but I hate, always flashy, but I hate photos. Wale, wordplay, lay. That's my guy. Uh, another song that I really, really take a liking to is um, the Nas, the Made Nas Proud, the the J. Cole remix. I mean, that, I feel like that, that that's really what rap is about, man. The, the fact that he responded to J. Cole let Nas down. And, and made a remix to it, paying him so much homage and and giving him the ultimate send off and the ultimate green light. I, I really love what Nas did with that. Those are two tracks, Nami. Mm-hmm. So uh, so so Wale and uh, and J Cole, the Made Nas Proud remix for UT. Yes, sir. Good stuff. Um, um, two two. I mean, two great records. Um. Simple Man from Wale's album is that was that a, a record you um, you picked out kind of as a standout something you're going to right now? Uh, nah, I just I was listening to it on the on the um while I was taking a ride earlier this morning, 
But, you know, I really, it's, it's hard for me to pick out one song on that album because I really, really like the album in its entirety. But um, that's one that I, I really, when I get to it, my head just starts nodding a little bit extra. So, I mean, I guess that, that could be my, my song that I take away from it right now. But, you know, I really like the whole project and so. No doubt, no doubt. Good stuff. Um, I'll, I'll go next. I've been listening to, uh, I mean, every week I feel like is is, it kind of has been kind of heavy, really, in these last few weeks. Um, definitely in hip hop. I mean, hip hop is just on fire right now. Um, I mean, we're getting albums and mixtapes every week. Um, it it's almost feels like an overload. It's kind of been surrounded by that June 18th, June 18th date with Kanye, J. Cole, and Mac Miller's album. Um, it's kind of been like an onslaught. But obviously, I've been the last couple of days have been huge for Jay Z. Um, I've I've had Magna Carta, Holy Grail bumping. Um, in my car, on my computer, on my phone, um, <laughs> a few songs I, I'm, I'm really banging with off that. Um, we'll talk about, you know, kind of get our initial impressions of the album here in a minute. Um, so, I, But I did have to mention that because that's been a big part of what I've been hearing, particularly in these last 48 hours. Um, but more specifically, more generally, uh, I, I came across a, an artist called Quadrant, um, and actually we'll get to uh, the list of albums that Complex actually put up um, recently, the 40 best albums of 2013 so far. Um, an interesting list, kind of a controversial list. Uh, Lawrence and I were talking about it these last couple of days and as recent as this morning. Um, but I came across an album from a young woman, actually uh, a duo um, named Quadrant, um, they're a Danish duo. Um, the female vocalist is named Coco O, and the uh, instrumentalist is named Robin Hannibal. They call it Electronic Soul. Um, their their most recent album, Avalanche, was released this past May, and uh, I, I mean I've really been enjoying it. I, I love the female uh, Coco O. She's a great vocalist, um, really soothing listen. She's got a song on there with Kendrick Lamar called Better Off, which is a really cool record. Um, and it's just a really great listen. Um, so I found Quadrant off of that list from Complex. Um, I've been listening to Party Next Door, who, Tommy, I think you would really enjoy. Um, the 19-year-old from Drake's OVO label um, just put out his first project um, this week. Really impressive. Um, I've really been enjoying it. I think he brings something to um, the R&B mold that is fresh and unique. Um, I've read reviews that have said he sounds a little too much, kind of like a Drake weekend kind of blend, but I, I think he's a little more versatile than that. I think he brings something to the table. The project is called Party Next Door. Um, right now is a really standout record from it that I've been playing a lot these last couple of days. Um, he comes with a really cool vibe. I think he's got something really fresh for R&B right now. Um, and then lastly, a group called London Grammar, who's an English indie rock group, um, I actually found them on Pigeons and Planes music blog. They did a list of artists that you would like if you like someone else. So, for example, I found this group London Grammar um, because they said if you listen, if you like Florence and the Machine, then you'll like London Grammar. And I love Florence and the Machine, so uh, I gave London Grammar a listen. Their album, their EP, rather, Metal and Dust, just dropped this past February, and Wasting My Young Years is a is a highly standout record from that. Um, just really eccentric vocals. Um, I, I just, I love their whole vibe. It's very Florence and the Machine, um, but I think they're a little more acoustic than they are, um, which I which I really enjoy. So uh, London Grammar, Quadrant, uh, Party Next Door, and obviously that Magna Carta Holy Grail 
for me, uh, that's what I've been hearing this week. Um, Lawrence Reels, segue to us. Bless us with your playlist this week. What have you been hearing? All right, so this week, um, I, I definitely have also been listening to the Party Next Door uh, EP. I, I guess it's an EP. It's only about nine or ten songs or something like that. But, um, yeah, no, I, I've, I've definitely been giving that a few listens, and it, and it is really, really, really cool. I mean, uh, it was, what, maybe a month or so ago where uh, Drake really started to promo this guy in his uh, first single um, called What's Good Slash Cherry. Uh, that was first one to drop in, and I thought that was really cool, so when, when the tape dropped, I was excited to be able to get it in and actually be able to listen to it, and, and it wasn't disappointing, so, so that, that was certainly good. Um, we're going we're gonna to talk about this in a little bit when we go to Complex List, but um, I, I, I also ran through Complex List and ended up uh, downloading a few of the albums um, on there that I didn't actually have, especially within the top ten, but um, one that was well, actually this is right outside of the top ten, but um, it's it's Killer Mike, who um, you we all may know as a collaborator with Big Boy and Outkast from from the like early two thousands. But Killer Mike and this uh, Brooklyn MC slash producer named LP have come out with a joint album called Run the Jewel, and if you are a Classic hip hop fan. I mean, Killer Mike is 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 certainly as hip hop as hip hop gets. He he's got that real down south flow, but I mean, he he really raps. He's not one of those guys that's just going to uh, that's just going to like say anything on a song. But so you should definitely check that out. LP and Killer Mike is called Run the Jewels. Really enjoyed that. Um, a little bit outside of hip hop, there were two other albums on the list that I I really enjoyed. Um, there's a there's a group called Rye R H Y E. If you go to our blog, what we hear about a month ago, I put up a, a song feature for uh, their single, which is called Open. Really, really cool song. Really, I mean, it. I would guess I would classify it as maybe electronic like pop music, but it it really has a real cool sound to it. Uh, I mean, it's it's very like shadowy and and almost dark but but not really because it's, it's more upbeat and like poppy but really really cool sound if you're into r&b you know this is a little bit of a branch off from that so I, I think you would definitely enjoy it but their album's called woman the song feature i did which is still my favorite song on the album is called open really cool track really cool album you definitely check that out and um i guess this is somewhat of a throwback at this point since it's been out for a few months but the uh the list certainly reminded me of it, and it definitely has been. I would almost, I would probably put it in my top five albums of the year so far. But James Blake's retro, uh, James Blake's Overgrown, rather retro gave us a single, but Overgrown. I, we kind of screamed about this album on the show a few months ago, and we actually had a whole segment talking about it. Uh, James Blake is an electronic uh, pop producer from the UK, producer, songwriter, singer. This kid is an animal, an absolute animal. I mean, he. He kind of uh, made a name for himself as a producer in, in, I guess, what you would consider the dubstep realm. It's uh, I, I, more two-step. It's, it's more dancey, but not necessarily, like, just ridiculous noise. You know, dubstep is kind of, re- like, just real ridiculous bass and just a lot of noise. This is it's a little bit more musical than that. So, um, James Blake, Overgrown, 
real cool voice. The kid's like, I think he's like 21 or 22 or something like that. He's real young, up and coming. I mean, I've I've heard rumors of him working with everybody's favorite hip hop artist coming up. I mean, he was rumored to be on J. Cole's album, even though that proved to not be true. But he's also rumored to be on Drake's upcoming album in September. Nothing was the same. So definitely a guy you should check out. Like I said, the album's called Overgrown. It it, it is thorough. Through and through, there's probably, I would say, 10 songs that you should have in your rotation that are on the album. I mean, and it's that good. And and once you get a listen for it, you'll definitely enjoy it. I would say if you're going to kind of branch off and, and, and jump into James uh, James Blake, the, the top three songs I would have you listen to first would be um, Retrograde, which was the first single off the album. The actual um, album title track, which is Overgrown, and um, a song he has called Life Round Here. All really cool tracks. They're all really different. I think everybody will be able to get into it in some way, shape, or form. So that that's what I've been hearing this week. Just want to get over to, to, to Jay Real to get Ratchet real quick. Yeah, Jay. Hit us, Jay. What's up, Jay? Huh. Hey. Hey. Right. Huh. Yeah, Molly. Yeah, Molly. We right we right back to it, Molly. The whip was Molly, of course. Yeah, kept going through the greatest album of 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 my father's favorite favorite singing group, the whistler. You know, <laughs> Cadillac music. You know what I'm saying? It's, it's a love thing. Another summer classic. You know, from from the big homie. I had to listen to that this week a few times riding in the car, you know what I'm saying? Just windows down, music up, the whispers playing. Got a little bit of a gasoline. Only thing I needed some dice on my rear view mirror and I'm good. That's the only thing I need when I when I listen to this and I'm riding because it, it, it's that thorough. So I, I, I had the whispers playing again this week. You know, man, feel music, old school music. Stuff to just vibe to, you know. Nobody's screaming at you. No trap beat. You, you don't, you know, you turn up a little bit, but not too much. Only a little bit of a turn up. Um, but, but always a pleasure to hear just good music, legitimately good music. So, uh, it's a love thing. The Whispers. I was listening to that this week. That's on my playlist. Heavy. Um, yesterday, uh, I got, I got introduced to uh, probably my favorite, one of my favorite Drake verses of all time on a song called Versace um, by, by the home Martin story. <laughs> it's just the turn up. Like, it's just the turn up. That's it. It's called Versace. It's, it's, it's a guy from Toronto, I believe, his name is Migos. Um, but he, he, for some reason, Drake, you know, got on this up-and-comers, you know, track with him. And uh, he just killed it in, 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 you know, energy. He had a trap flow, which, you know, you don't hear from Drake. But it was, it was, it, it's completely, it's just terrific. I, I just love what he did with it. I love that he got on the song. Um, I love the verse. It, it's entertaining. It, it, but it, it's technically sound. And uh, it just shows kind of Drake's versatility once again because I didn't think that was going to be anything I would hear from him. Um, 
but you know, he came through and, and it really it really really made terrific verse on that. So I, I love the Versace joint with Drake. Um and uh also I mean I know we're gonna get into this but I can't I, I won't feel right with myself if I don't bring this up. But as we all know, um Jay Z's new album <coughs> this week. Um shut down Samsung. <laughs> shut down the internet. Um and, and shut down a little part of my life when I was listening to it because I, I couldn't think about anything else. Um, just, I, for me, guys, some bias there because I'm a Jay-Z fan. Uh, that's my favorite rapper. Um, you know, kind of how, you know, Wally, Tom's a guy, you know, Lawrence is a big Kendrick guy, um, and, a, and a big Kanye guy as well as Martin. I'm, I'm a, and, and Martin's with me on this one, I'm sure. And I'm a Jay-Z guy. So, you know, to hear some new stuff from him, the production, everything about it. Uh, one song in particular that, that I've been drawn to is uh, a song called Picasso Baby. Um, you know, it sounds like reasonable doubt, Jay-Z. It, it sounds like 1990s hip-hop. And uh, for me, that's everything. So, um, Picasso Baby, you know, Tom Ford, the, the new turn-up anthem. Um, uh, Brothers in Paris <laughs> Part 2 <laughs> I, I use the clean version of the title for y'all um, But I know we're going to get into it So I won't say too much more But it's a, it's a classic It's a classic album um, And I can say that after a few days So terrific Terrific um, Yeah I, I felt the same Jay I, I, We would be remiss if, if, uh, if we didn't mention that Because the last two days have been flooded by Magna Carta, Holy Grail. Um, let's bring in our caller. Um, we actually have Kenny Neal back with us for another week. Um, it's becoming a weekly thing now. we got Kenny coming back to educate us. Uh, Kenny, you are now live on with The Collective. What's up, man? Uh, well, he'll, he'll be live, in, he'll be live in, a, in a few seconds, actually. Uh, is it my arm? Can you hear me? There you go. Yeah, we got What's up, you. Kenny? What's going on, fellas? I think you guys are giving me way too much credit about educating you guys. You guys are educating me right now. Um, I think I'll be. You guys are my go-to guys about new music and uh, you know what I'm what I should be listening to. So um, I almost felt bad about you know sharing what I've been listening to until I heard uh, Jason's um, rendition of what he's been listening to. He went. A lot old school, more old school than what I'm going to talk about a little bit. Um, I've been listening to just a lot of classic stuff that I liked uh, growing up, um, hip-hop-wise. Uh, I've been listening to some Biggie, some Ready to Die, some, um, you know, all of the albums, really. Um, I've been listening to some Jay-Z Volume 1, some Reasonable Doubt. Well, uh, I've been listening to some... Um, what you guys probably, I don't know if you guys haven't heard, but if you haven't, you might want to check it out. It's Red Man or Muddy Waters. Uh, that's a classic album, mm-hmm. probably Red Man's best uh, album he's ever done. Um, mm-hmm. Listen to some Big Pun. Yeah, baby. That's one of my favorite albums. Uh, <laughs> N-O-R-E, some uh, Nori. Nori. Uh, one of right. my uh, favorite uh, albums growing up and uh, had some some great... Um, you know, beats on that album that I enjoy. Um, hip-hop-wise, I'm sorry, R&B-wise, 
um, you know, kind of fresh off the BET Awards. And that performance by R. Kelly just reminded me of how many bangers this guy has put out. And you can say what you want about, you know, what he's done outside of the music business. But musically, I mean, this guy has put out so much good music. And his performance just reminded me, and I've been kind of stuck on R. Kelly ever since the award show, just listening to just from A to B of every pretty much, you know, I mean, he's got hit after hit after hit after hit. And I don't know about you guys, but after seeing that performance and just knowing all the words to pretty much everything that he was doing, it was just like, it just kind of blew me away. Yeah. So yeah. that's what I've been listening to. I will say right now, I'm the only one um, out of this, uh, out of, you know, the group of people that's uh, in this dynamic right now who hasn't heard the new Jay-Z album, Magna Carta, Holy Grail. Um, but I will tell you from everything that I've heard, um, I'm getting reports that this might be greater than reasonable doubt, which I thought was absolutely impossible. But the fact that people are saying that has my interest peaked, I mean, through the roof. I mean, I'm, I'm, I can't wait. And I'll probably end up doing this right after this call. It's just jumping online and, and getting this thing downloaded so I can actually hear it. I am... I don't think I've ever looked forward to uh, an album as much as this one since um, since Biggie's uh, last album. Not not the uh, the name of it is uh, escaping me right now, but the one he did after Ready to Die. Um, Life after death. I mean, Life after death. Right. I mean, this is. Uh, I mean, this is as far as for me, uh, you know, personally. I mean, this is something that you know, with me being a huge Jason fan. I mean, I'm just really looking forward to what he brought to the table. I mean, I've heard a couple of snapshots of something. You know, I, I, I enjoyed that uh, that song, Oceans, that he has on there with Frank Ocean. I thought that was a pretty good track. But like mm. I said, everything that I'm hearing about this album is all positive, and it's coming from all the same people that was telling me how bad the Kanye album was, which, you know, I'd like to... Like I said, I did check it out. We discussed this a little bit last week, but I checked it out, and, you know... I actually confirmed what they were saying, and I'm hoping that, you know, I can still trust these sources, and this album is going to be exactly what I've been hearing about. I mean, you guys sound like you're pretty high on it. I know Jason's pretty, uh, I know Jason and Martin is uh, a little biased, but then again, so am I, so uh, <laughs> I am looking forward to it. Uh, I mean, I, I just can't wait to listen to it. Yeah, Kenny. Um, I've actually, um, I've actually read and heard that Timbaland is, is, is really kind of classifying this as the best Jay Z album. Um, I, I, that's, I, in terms of, and again, I mean, we're going to talk a, a little bit about it. You know, our impressions of it, what we've heard in a little bit, but it looks like that's the bar that they're kind of setting for it right now, which is pretty crazy because it's like you said before, if you were to tell me there's, there was going to be an album better than Reasonable Doubt, I, Impossible instantly comes to mind. I I would agree. I mean, I mean, my goodness, I mean, Reasonable Doubt has been, you know, the standard for a long time. I mean, Reasonable Doubt, Illmatic, um, you know, Ready to Die. I mean, those albums are like... I like the 96 Bulls, you know what I mean? It's just like, I mean, yeah. these guys, when you measure classics, when you 
talk about an album you can listen to from one to whatever you know it finishes at. I mean, these yeah. are the albums that you're talking about, and if you're putting this this album in that kind of classification, I mean, that's amazing, especially for the longevity. I mean, you know, this guy's been around for. I mean, you talk about guys who've been around for a while, but usually towards the end of their careers, their last three or four albums or whatever. I don't know if they. You know, they get complacent or they're just trying to finish up their deal or, you know, they don't have to do it because they've made their money. But typically guys drive off at the end of their, you know, their you know, their careers. And if he's going to be on a tail end of his career, which I think, you know, hopefully, you know, we get a couple more albums out of Jay-Z, but I think we can all agree that, you know, he's going to, this is going to get old for him soon. He's, he's making money. You know, in other places, and uh, he doesn't have to do this anymore. Um, but for him to be able to finish up or be, you know, towards the end of his career and to produce something of this magnitude is, I mean, that's pretty remarkable. You think about LL, you think about guys with, you know, longevity um, similar to Jay Z, yeah. you know, towards the end of their the careers. They just, you know, it's just not the same. Um, we're talking about this right now, guys like Wayne, and, you know, you know, he's not even halfway, you know, you talk about 50 Cent, you talk about those kind of guys who, Yeah. I mean, you know, Eminem, who, you know, his last album was pretty good, but you get what I mean. I'm saying these guys are, towards the end of their career, they just, they fall off. And mm-hmm. if he's if he's matching something, he's in a conversation with reasonable doubt. I mean, that's, one itself, I mean, just, just to be in a conversation is pretty extraordinary. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, this this album is a culmination of of Jay Z being who he is and being able to work with the people that he wants to work with, and him being has has pretty much perfected his craft as a rapper. And and you know, I don't think there's any argument there. I don't think there's any argument that can be made. for him to still be able to give us the wide spectrum of of, of lyrics and, and production that he still is giving us at at forty oh over oh in his forty it's 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 incredible it, it really is incredible and and you know I, I think people really really connect with this album in some facet whether it's you know a record like Tom Ford that people are partying to, or um, there's a record called F-U-T-Y that's, that's, that's more, you know, conscious. It's it's just, it has it all. It has it all. And, and J.D., you know, he, he you could say he's disappointed in his career, but you only say that these albums like A Kingdom Come, which to me was was terrific, you know, you, you people knock those albums because he set the bar so high, but you can't say any of them are bad. You like, you, like there's no bad ones. So it's just it's one to be in that elite category with a reasonable doubt of volume one, or volume two, which is my my personal favorite. Um, it's just absolutely incredible, and, and he's not slowing down. He, he he's just not slowing down. So I mean, unbelievable. Great point, Kenny. Yeah. I think, yeah, I think a fact, lot. Uh, real quick, Molly, I, I think a, a yeah, lot yeah. of it has to do with how Jay Z has pretty much mastered culture. 
like that. Like, I mean, we kind of, we talk about guys being able to stay relevant. Like Kenny made good points talking about guys that were realistically at the top of the game after Jay-Z, you know, like, I mean, the Eminem, the Wayne, the 50 Cent, like these were the guys that were the best at a point in time. And it was after Jay-Z at first came out, you know, like this, this is well after Jay-Z first came out, but Jay-Z yet managed to stay relevant. And I think it has a lot to do with, with his grasp of culture. He, he understands wh- not only what is popular, but what is hot. And, and, and there's a difference between those two. I mean, especially if we're mm. talking about hip hop critically, because there's a, mm. 50 cent can still make songs with Jeremiah and have them be popular. You know, like they, they that that song was well, probably only what two or three years removed from that song, and and he was able to still make it popular. But Jay Z is still able to make hot rap music. Like he's still able to put together works of art that are very good, and it has. And, and I mean, I think one of the biggest things that you can attribute that to is the way he's able to understand the culture and understand what's going on around him. I mean, Jay made the point that Jay-Z realistically hasn't made a bad album. And he and he really hasn't. I mean, when we talk about weaker Jay-Z albums, I always think about Blueprint 3. And, and my thing with Blueprint 3 is I just feel like hip-hop at the time of Blueprint 3 was kind of in an awkward stage because we were breaking into kind of this new age sound that we're in now but it still wasn't all the way there yet. And Jay-Z was a little bit ahead of the game in, in putting out those songs at that time because they they didn't necessarily resonate. You know, they didn't necessarily stick. But, I mean, I, I talked about last week when we talked about Magna Carta Holy Grail that I was looking forward to it in terms of Jay-Z's rapping because of what he had did on Watch the Throne. And what, what he and Kanye were able to show on Watch the Throne is that they're able to make rap music that is as relevant as anything else right now and as good as anything else right now. I mean, and, and that's really the thing. That, that's when you start to separate, you know, the gods that are good right now to the gods that are just flat-out good. And, and Jay-Z obviously is flat-out good. I mean, we can start the argument to say that he's maybe the best to ever do it, and, and I couldn't be mad at that. I couldn't say no, you know, I – I, I align myself to maybe other rappers a little bit more than Jay-Z, but at the same time, I am a huge Jay-Z fan. I have been since day one. And Life and Times, the Vest. Carter, Volume 3, is one of my favorite albums ever. And, and I mean, it, Jay-Z is able to stay relevant because he is Jay-Z. Like he, 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 has, he has the pulse of this thing, man. He really does. Like, he... He understands what he needs to put out and what his music needs to sound like to be able to be at the top of the game. And and I'm not talking about charts. I'm not talking about sales. Like we, I mean, if we were on here just talking about you know what's the hottest out in terms of sales or what's the most popular out in terms of sales, we'd be talking about future all day, talking about you know two chains all day. But but we're not. It's like we're here to right. we're here to talk what we think is the best artistically. And Jay Z. Thinks that you know he 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 his brain operates to where he's not only going to figure out what's going to make him the most money, but he's going to figure out what's not going to make him look bad. You know, like he he's only going to put out something that he he's backing in, and I think that's the case with this Magna Carta Holy Grail. I mean, we, it certainly still is early, and 
And I mean, I maybe wouldn't go as far as Jay and Martin to say it's a classic already, but I understand 100% why they say it is because it sounds that darn good. Like, it sounds that good to where you're just like, you know, instant classic. I I just want to take a little bit more time to dissect and and really be able to, you know, digest the the lyrics and the overall, you know, the, the content and what he's putting across. But at the same time, in terms of sound, it is as cool as anything else that's out right. I mean, it's it's as it's as cool, if not cooler, than Jesus. I I mean, we're gonna go back and forth for this for a while, and I got a feeling that within the next few weeks, to be on this show, we're gonna be like, all right, time to stack it up, Magna Carta versus Jesus, and it's not gonna be easy. It's not gonna be easy. And Kenny, I know why people like Mark Martin said this last week. I know why people are telling you Jesus is a bad album. I know why people are saying Jesus is a bad album. I totally understand because I was there. But, I mean, after Jesus is one of those albums where you're going to have to listen to it over and over again to really be able to get, you know, the the gist of what Kanye was doing. The rapping is not there. Don't get me wrong, Kenny. The rapping is not there. I I hear you. I'm a Kanye fan. I'm a Kanye rapping fan. The rapping is not all the way there by any means. But uh, I think just what it means, you know, and, and what he tried to do is, I mean, and what he did successfully is great. You know, he put together some songs that are very much so next level things, you know? Yeah. I mean, I, musically I'd say, okay. I mean, he did some things that was definitely outside of the box, what he's always been known for. I mean, he's never been afraid to, to do something different, and that's something that I've always respected about Kanye. He, he would not allowed to, he's not allowing anyone to put him in a box or to be a certain yeah. kind of rapper or things like that. So I'll agree with you there. But I did. I, I tell you guys, I gave that album another shot, and then I gave it another shot after that. And the way I came away with, um, you know, my thoughts after listening to it again another three or four times is it's it's just bad. It's not good album. He did not bring. He didn't bring it. But I think you brought up another good point, which made me think about this Jay Z album um, again. And depending on how well this album does, this can be something that can really change hip hop. Um, because if this album sells well, and let's say it outdoes, you know, uh, I know the last week we talked about Jesus already at three hundred thousand, and uh, we know what the game being it, what it is with the downloads and things like that. You know, that's that's impressive. You know, compared to you know, not compared to you know, you know, the latter day when you know, you know, platinum sales was um, you know the standard and things like that. I mean, we you know we're we're getting away from that, but if Jay Z comes out with this album and um, does really well. Let's let's say hypothetically he goes platinum. He's going to light a fire under everyone in his game, and everyone's going to have to step their game up, and they're not going to be able to put out an album like he is. These albums aren't going to exist anymore. I think it, the the better this album does, the more better music we'll get because they'll look at Jay Z as, as an example. This is how. I mean, you can be successful. You can still make. A good album. It's not always going to be about production. I mean, you have to back it with the content. You have to master your craft, and guys are going to really start taking that seriously. I hope Kanye listens to this album and is mortified about what he put out. Because although I agree with you, yes, he put out something that you know was different, but it, it just a lot of the tracks sound sloppy. 
Um, you know, he did not, you know, lyrically live up to what he's capable of. And, you know, for a long time, guys wouldn't feature Kanye on their albums or on their songs because he would make them sound inferior. I mean, he would be the guy on your album making you sound like, you know, I need to go listen to Kanye rather than listen to this guy. I mean, guys are afraid to feature him on albums and... For him to come out on his own album on something that was much anticipated as it was, and you know, and just not—I don't really think he even really made an effort. And uh, although, yeah, it was different. I mean, comparing it to you know previous things that he's done, I mean, he's always been different. He's always been able to do yeah. different things. I mean, from the very beginning, from the very beginning, the songs that he would sample. I mean, no one was doing that. But he's yeah. always been able to bring content, and he did not do that this time. There's a couple of songs on the album that I can deal with. And when you're talking about when, for me personally, when I'm talking about a Kanye West album, I don't want to have to just deal with a song like, okay, that was all right. right. I can actually right. listen to that one. I want to be able to put right. it on listen to it and expect good music and I did not get that. Right. And I gave it another shot. I felt like, you know, it's Kanye, I'm a fan, you know, I'm gonna listen to it again. Maybe I just didn't get it. But I tell you what, I I got it. I listened to it and it's terrible. I'm sorry. I mean I know, I think you guys want it to be something more than what it is. And I get like I said, to each his own, everyone has you know, something that they like or, or that they don't. Um but I think at the end of the day, we'd all agree this is not something that is a, a, a typical Kanye West album um, that you can put on from start to finish and enjoy it from the very beginning to the very end. Uh, even even musically, I mean, the production, uh, some uh, a lot of the songs are just sloppy there. It was all over the place. They don't make sense, and it, you know. And again, it's different, yeah. But his things that he's done that's been different in the past sounded good. And it's still good, yeah. And, I, and and this one, I just I, I don't get it. Um, but hopefully, like I said, this this album, this Magna Carta Holy Grail album, will um, really light a fire under guys like Wayne, like Kanye. Um, you know, be a stepping stone for things like, you know, when guys like uh, Mills, Meek Mills, where it is, or, or J. Cole, or, or Big Sean, they'll say, you know, they'll use this as an example. Well, you know, I have to master my craft. I have to get good production. And, you know, we'll get a lot of good music out of this, hopefully. I mean, I'm, I'm hopeful, hoping that this, this will be something that will drive... Um, of this era moving forward, because the same the same way like an Elmatic did, uh, you know, early on in, in, in that era. Uh, I mean, you can really, if you look back at that era, that was kind of the beginning. The people heard that album and said, "I need to at least bring my game to that level." And we got a lot of good music out of that era, and I'm hoping that this will be the same kind of thing. And I know I've been on for a while, guys. Appreciate you guys giving me some time here to speak and. Um, just want to say again, I enjoyed the show. Uh, you guys are stepping the game up. You got Scoop on earlier, who you know, I'm a fan of, who you know we went to school with, and uh, you know it's just getting better and better each week. So uh, again, guys, keep doing it. And one other thing, while I you know while I have this platform, well, you kind of took a shot at me last week on the way out, and uh, <laughs> I just wanted to say, man, 
um, your neck and your waist is the same width, and uh, <laughs> you know if you uh, if if peas and naps was people, and your head was a stadium, it would be sold out. And I'll say that I'll take my hands <laughs> off that. Y'all take it easy. All right, Kenny. All right, Kenny. <laughs> Oh, our very own Kenny Neal uh, calling in uh, for another week. Always a pleasure to have him on, a uh, close friend of ours. Um, so, yeah, <laughs> really, got in, really got into that Jay-Z discussion there. And um, I, I really like Lawrence, and, and I feel like Lawrence and Jason, you guys both said together, you guys both said really what I feel like is, is the main thing we can take away from Magna Carta, Carta Holy Grail um, as it stands is that, and Jay, I think it's completely manifest in the song that you mentioned and what we hear, the Picasso baby, because the, the, what's it going to take for y'all to see? I'm the modern-day Pablo. He, he, listen, Pablo Picasso, I mean, it's not, I, don't, I don't need to give any background. When you think of one of the best composers, painters, artists of the 20th century, it's, it's, it's Picasso. He, you talk about mastering your craft. Picasso is the template. You talk about you're the you're the best at something. You're the you're the you're, you know you you you've got the craft down. You you're it's Picasso. That is the metaphor for it. And I think Jay, that's completely manifest in that song. And I think that's manifest in the project as a whole, from what I'm hearing. And and to what you said, Lawrence, I think the most impressive thing is that he he. He's got he he's got a little bit of of everything. Like I like I really think what impresses me so much is that I feel like he does kind of what Kanye didn't or couldn't do, whatever. But I'm looking at songs like Tom Ford and songs like Crown that I think essentially are more Kanye than Jay. I mean, he calls on Travis Scott, the young producer who Kanye works with so much, who we've talked about on the show who is a, uh, just a beast of a producer, he calls on him for the crown record and just brings that really heavy, hard-hitting track feel that Jay just eats on. And, and, but, but there's a duality to it because it's like you guys all said, the, the sound of it at first listen really is phenomenal, and that much you know is clear. But he's also bringing content. He's also bringing a, a, a gritty flow, which we talked about months ago when the Dream first brought out the news about the Jay-Z album saying it was going to be his grittiest album. And I'm pretty sure all of us pretty much dismissed the notion, just thinking, well, how could a 43-year-old bring us the grittiest album when you've got, you know, uh, the, the, the F. Scott Carter series, the blueprints, the, all the great work that he's done. How could that be possible? And I think he, he kind of hit the nail on it, guys. I think, I mean... I just I'm so impressed with how again, Lawrence, I think your point really resonated with me. The fact that I mean, listen, we were screaming, yelling, singing the song last night, Tom Ford. I mean it you've got you've got turn up songs, but it's different from your little Wayne's and and, and, and I'm I'm definitely focusing on Little Wayne here because for Little Wayne turn up is is, you know, Throw some eight oh eights on there and let me talk about Papa and Molly's and, and you know, eating girls out and, and you know, just all these explicit references that really don't mean anything or carry any kind of substantial weight. And I think it's the exact opposite with this album. You've got songs like the the Ocean song with Frank Ocean. That whole idea the whole concept of that song is is grander than anything Wayne has done in the last two years. 
like the idea that he, like no, the song that got he's talking about the, the the water serves as that that like it's it's the middle point of that duality between like the, it's the same water that even Frank even mentions it in his in his chorus when he's singing it it's, it's the same water that brought our ancestors over from Africa it's the same water that we came up from and that's the same water that that were that they're partying on and throwing champagne bottles in like that it. Like, that metaphor, that message, like, that's only something you get from masterful hip-hop. And and I, I'm just, I'm, I'm extremely impressed. Like, I tweeted it when I first went through the album that I was literally blown away just because the sounds were so good and I'm hearing flows and I'm hearing lyrics and I'm hearing messages that, that, that resonate and that are really just masterful. And it's like Laura said, I mean, you throw him, you throw Jay-Z in a room with, listen, and I'll say this, the last thing I'll kind of, you know, say as my final thought on Jay-Z. I, you put me in a room, guys, with Timbaland, Swiss Beats, uh, Pharrell, I, I think I'd make a pretty good album. I, I just do because, I mean, those guys are, are just phenomenal guys. I think my album would be pretty good. What uh, what Jay-Z brings on his own is is fantastic. And it's not just about the production. It's not just about the sound, which we say so. Which we say about a lot of guys these days that you know it sounds good, but you know that's about it. And I think again, what I said last week with the parallel with Kanye, that's kind of the tension there with Jesus is that you know the sounds are like all right, but the content, like Kenny just said when he was on with us, it's, you're not you're not taking anything away from it. And I think this, this Jay-Z album does exactly the opposite. And like I said last week, I think it's kind of inadvertently coming in and swooping in on those those people who completely dismiss Jesus and, and are just completely off that. And I think Magna Carta kind of serves as a supplement for that. If you're if you're not feeling Kanye's album, I think you go to Jay's album and you get you, you get those those, you know, high octane kind of, you know, really energetic vibes, but you're also getting the content and the messages. And so at 43 years old, I really am just initially, I'm initially impressed with this. I, I really am. Um, Tommy, I'm curious, have you had, have you had a chance to listen to any of the, the new Jay-Z album? Yeah, I listened to the whole thing. Um, one time through though, I haven't, I haven't uh, burned a copy or gotten a copy to put in the whip yet because, you know, I know it's going to take over my gifted wave and I'm, I'm trying to give Wale a little more time, but, um, I'm just really impressed with the with my initial listen, and from the the article I posted in the Facebook group, there's a key quote that I put up there, and it says, "He stays on top because he refuses to do anything less than epic," and and that's just what Jay Z is about, man. It's it, it evolution of his lyrics, evolution of his sound. You know, he he carries so much weight as a rapper that, like you just said, it it takes the people who are so frustrated with Kanye West because his album was so far out there and it brings us back to, okay, this is what rap is is really about. This is the head of rap. This is, you know, the the, the hierarchy of rap and this is this guy's coming to us real and, and Jay Z, I mean like like you said, I'm I'm kinda I'm blown away as well. And and it's just it's just really impressive. And what I took away from just the commercials, how hands-on he was with with those producers of the Timberland and, and Pharrell, and he's telling them concepts and, and ideas, and they look blown away. I mean, these are guys that are that mastered their craft as well, and and Jay Z's telling them, you know, 
it's just it's just mind blowing how this whole production and everything came about and you know, I, I gotta I gotta listen to it a few more times and I'm sure I'll have more to say to to take from it, but initially I'm just I'm just in awe. Even the track with um with Beyonce, I, I believe it's um it's the um on the run part, part two. It's the part two meant to be the sequel to the Bonnie and Clyde record. I mean, I heard that song and I'm just like, man, you know, <laughs> that that song. I mean, you know, there's a, there's a few other songs that really caught my attention, but I, like I said, I'm just really impressed. Yeah, um, Tommy, S with me, you know I got it. The record with Rick Ross. I, I highly encourage you to go right to that record when you go back to this album because that is that bounce. Uh, that is that bounce. Turn up. Turn up. Um, so, you know, obviously Magna Carta, uh, you know, sweeping the nation right now. Um, lots of things to be impressed from it. Um, you know, we've all kind of weighed in, you know, our thoughts, initial impressions um, for the new Jay-Z album. Um, lots to look forward to, lots to take away from it, I think. And, I, again, I can't get away from this parallel with Kanye because I, I, I see Magna Carta doing things that, and and I, I know, you know, Lawrence and, and Jason really alluded to this, but, you know, the whole, I feel like the whole tension behind Jesus is the fact that, you know, and it's like Kanye said before, or Kenny said before, you know, Kanye has always pushed the limit. He's always looked to challenge us musically. Um, I think what Jesus has done is create this tension where it, it kind of over-challenges us. It's kind of, you know, it, it's it's kind of overzealous to a fault. And and the, and the places where it lapses, it really lapses. And I, Lawrence, I think of guilt trip instantly when it comes to mind. You know, the fact that we listen to that Cuddy part, and that's really the the the, the gut of the song. There's nothing Kanye does on that song individually really brings any prominence. And and I mean, I point out that one song, but what? Listen, one out of ten songs for Kanye to be diminished on one out of ten songs that that's a big hit because it's ten songs. Um, Jay-Z makes his presence felt on every song. I, I I mean, going back through it, rounding it out, I don't think, you know, I don't think every song is, is absolutely, you know, amazing lyrically. I mean, I think the messages are all there, but, you know, I don't think every song is, is you know, for everyone. But um, but he, he makes his presence felt. And I think what he does overall with, with you know, songs like Tom Ford and, 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 you know, bringing kind of like that kind of postmodern kind of evolutionary hip-hop sound, kind of the same way that Jesus was supposed to, but it does it in a, I think, Lawrence, in a much more reasonable fashion, in a fashion that hip-hop fans can resonate with a bit more. Would you, do you think, would you agree? Yeah, I would, I would definitely agree. I would, I would definitely agree. I think there's no question that, um, so it's just so difficult to to wrap your head around it, but I, I think you're right. I, I think you're absolutely right. I mean I I don't even have much to add to it. That that was that was fun. Yeah. I would definitely agree. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. Um again, lots lots to take away, lots to uh enjoy from this new Jay Z album. Um I do wanna uh real quick get to our last couple topics here, rounding out for um our last about eight or nine minutes here for the show. 
Um, I, I want to go around and get, you know, a couple-minute quick reactions from guys. Uh, we, you know, we have Wiz Khalifa and Joey Badass on the list of our, for our discussion topics today. Uh, we got into Jay-Z a little bit there, which, which we needed to do. Um, but, you know, it shouldn't take much time to kind of uh, address our last two topics. Uh, Wiz Khalifa, gentlemen, at, at the BET Awards this past weekend, he did announce uh, his next album will be dropping this year. Uh, it released the title. It will be entitled Black Hollywood. Um, spelled with two C's, not spelled B-L-A-C-K, but spelled uh, B-L-A-C-C for whatever uh, nutty reason that is. But, uh, uh, you know, with the, you know, the the announcement, the new album coming out this year, more music from Wiz Khalifa. Um, I know, I know for the most part, we've all been uh, disappointed with kind of the the progression or lack thereof of Wiz. Um, I know all of us here, started out really big on Wiz and, you know, when he came into prominence with the, uh, you know, Burn After Rolling mixtapes and even before that. But uh, as he kind of rose to prominence, you know, we were all kind of part of that wave. And uh, it's been a bumpy ride ever since. Um, so, Jay, your reaction to Wiz, what do you think, uh, what do you think's been his, uh, you know, his, I guess his not so much downfall because it's not as if he's not successful, but, uh, you know, what are your thoughts on Wiz, and what what do you think he should do to uh, maybe bring people in uh, back in for this next album? Wiz, Wiz made a decision, okay? Wiz made, Wiz made a very simple decision. He made a decision that he was going to change his music from a pop star instead of a rapper. What he did, he said, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to make, I'm going to sing every hook. I'm going to make pop records. He he said that he wanted, basically to me, I, I feel like he had a conversation and said, yo, I'm, I'm going to go get this money. And and the money is in that pop hip-hop genre more so than just the straight hip-hop genre. So that's what he went with. That's his decision. As a fan, I have a as an artist, he has a choice. He can make whatever music he wants. I can listen to whatever I want. He chose to go pop. Now I choose not to listen to him. Is that like that? Those were the decisions made. He forced my hand. He forced my, my hand on because I was I was a Wiz supporter. My first, you know, my first concert I went to a Wiz Khalifa concert um, in Philadelphia, and he was he was my one of my favorite raps during his mixtape era. And now that he's in his studio album era, he he chalked it. He 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 went with the money. And that's fine. That's his decision. That's his choice. But like I said, I always as well. So I choose not to listen to him. I just needed him to take a seat. If he if he if he comes out with some track or like that Fast and Furious track that he had two changes, the bigger the bill, like, like that, that terrible joint, the roll-up <laughs> joint, which is equally as terrible. If he's doing that, fine, fine. Make your money, dogs. Make make your, but you're not going to make any money off of me. You're not going to listen to that trash. And and it's and, it, and it's bad hip and and it's just he just he sold. And I hate to say I hate that phrase like the sellout thing. I don't like that. But but he did. He sold and he, he decided to pop. And you know, boom, do your thing. But you're not you're not getting anything from me ever. <laughs> That's it. 
I, I do share your sentiments, Jay. It's been a slow digression for me um, in terms of being a fan of Wiz. Um, uh, again, it's kind of fluctuated because even last year, I mean, the Taylor Aldridge mixtape was on our list of top mixtapes of 2012. It was bottom of the barrel. I'm pretty sure we put it right there at number 10. Um, but that, it, it, it kind of, like, peeped into the old Wiz, like, a little bit. I mean, I feel like that was kind of like the last, little small inkling of, of old Wiz Khalifa that we will ever get. Um, he followed up with that ONF, ONIFC album, which was absolutely trash. Um, if I had a chance to review it, I would give it a resounding B minus D as in destructive. Um, so, and, and it, it disappoints me too, Jay, because it's like, you know, um, and I'll just say, you know, I mean, realistically, essentially, he is he is the modern-day Snoop Dogg. I mean, he's taken on that mantra, and he's kind of butchering it. I mean, it, you know, Snoop is, you know, Snoop kind of, in the last few years, he's ventured off into kind of the more pop and electronic stuff, but he can do that because he's Snoop, and he made himself into that, and now he's Snoop Lion, and he's down with a real Rastafarian. See, he can do whatever he wants because he made himself into that. You know, Wiz, I think Wiz did get on the fast track to success. He did blow up pretty quickly, but he took that and kind of butchered it. And now I, I don't know what he's the modern day of. He's kind of just gallivanting around, just, you know, uh, doing – it's like you said, Jay, he made the choice. He made his choice. And, and as listeners, I, I, you know, we have to make ours. And he's appealing to a, a, a crowd that I guess we're not a part of anymore. Uh, Tommy, Tommy, your thoughts no, on this. Tommy, you were actually – you were one of the first people to uh, what well, not introduce me, but uh, you were on the Wiz wave kind of at the same time as I was. Man, how far we came from Cushion OJ, man! Look how far we've come. Yeah. <laughs> no, nah, it's just you know, I, you know, I was I, I appreciate Wiz because when I was going to school in Pittsburgh, he was just a mixtape rapper, and you know I, I've seen his progression and like Jay said. He, he's he's chosen, you know, what he's going to be for the rest of his career. And I guess I can't knock him because he's making his money and I know where he's he's come from. But, you know, at the same time, you would like to see, you know, bits and pieces of the old ways which got him to his success. I mean, he has a track on Wale's album, the, um, the Rotation track. I mean, I've grown to like that one. Um, but, you know, as far as his album, you know, I don't expect anything more than what he put out in his last album, you know, there'll probably be one or two tracks that will resonate and the rest will be all, you know, radio hits and, you know, that's the, it's unfortunate, but, you know, he, he's making his money. What can you say? Lawrence, cl- close us out on, on Wiz, Lawrence. Yo, so, um, right. This bull, right, I thought that he could pretty much just trick us <laughs> and get us to think that he was nice and then just chalk it. And that's essentially, and I mean, that's essentially just how I feel about the situation. There's, like, really nothing else to, you're like, I I, I want to be optimistic for certain people, and I have heard certain good things from Wiz in the last, like, year or so. I know you said the Taylor Aldridge mixtape was pretty good. I, I, I'm not going to front, but at the same time, still wasn't able to get into that as much as I was able to get into the old stuff because of the, the switchover. I, I've never seen such a drastic change in two in two albums 
you know, in two projects than I did between Rolling Papers and in Cushion Artistry. So it was just like, you know, I, I feel like, I honestly feel like he, he kind of just came to a point to where he was just like, you know, everything I was doing good before to, like, get all these fans, chalk it. We're going to start over. And and I'm all about the high school kids now. And, and I'm going to be Lil Wayne, and I'm going to pick up skating at 27. And, um, and, and like, that's going to be the new me. Like, nah, son, ain't nobody got time for that. The Wiz should have been chalked it. And I I mean, I, I like I said, like Jay said, actually, I, it's probably sell. He's going to sell a lot of records of this. Uh, Black Hollywood, right? Two C. Yeah. Probably going to sell. It's probably going to sell. But at the same time, it, it's, I'm not looking, I'm not expecting anything of any sort of significance. And that, and that may sound harsh, but, you know, whatever. More chalk, so we chalk him. That's the that's the cycle of life, you know what I'm saying? Wayne chalked us, we chalked him, and um, we we're gonna have to get to it next week because we didn't get a chance to get to it. But I'm ready to tear everybody at Complex Music a new one for the for the list they put together. Cause I mean, I mean, I, I'm gonna be honest. At some point it was good, but at some point it was just like, how do you come up with this? Like where where in your thinking was I am not a human being the 12th best album of this year so far, and Buddy's Indicut is like 30. Like someone there needs to get silly slapped, but I guess that's neither here nor there. We were talking about Wiz. I just had to throw that in there real quick. But like I said with Wiz, I'm, I'm as disinterested, pretty disinterested get that I, I realistically like don't think that we're going to get anything more significant out of him. We kind of got to just take what we got out of him. I mean, musically, he is talented, and we understand that, but at the same time, it's it's this new persona that that has been has had trouble sticking. So, I mean, I hope the best for him. I'm, uh, I, I guess it's so deep down in my soul of a Wiz fan, but, but it's no, it hasn't come to the surface in quite a while, and I don't think it will. Uh, well said. Let's, uh, we'll wrap up on that note. Uh, gentlemen, we are done for the day. Uh, thank you for tuning in for another episode of The Collective. You can check out our podcast. Follow us on Twitter at collective underscore BTR and catch us right here same time next week. Uh, check out our list next week. We'll get at Complex Lawrence and do our list of the top projects from 2013 thus far. You can check that out on our music blog, whatwehear.blogspot.com. Signing off from The Collective, this is Martin Stories, Lawrence Rails, Jason Real, Tommy Hill. Yes, the collective. Oh. Masaki. On behalf of the Keys 107, we thank you for tuning in to The Collective. Check us out at Blogspot, our show blog, The Collective Radio, our basketball blog, Basketball Feed, our music blog, What We Hear, and our TV and movie blog, Television Cinema. Follow us on Twitter at collective underscore BTR as well as Instagram and join our Facebook group, The Collective. And as always, tune in every Saturday with us between 1 and 3 p.m. Eastern Time where young hosts come together to discuss and critique topics in sports, music, television, and film. Now let the beat rock out.